The Commander Crunch podcast is brought to you by puremtgo.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 27. You're here for your nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats served up on the regular. We are all about celebrating culture, community, creativity of primarily our favorite format of Commander, plus side serving of entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influencers. Uh, I am, of course, one of your hosts, Sam, and I'm joined, as always, by the man with too many jobs, too many titles and roles for one lifetime. It's Captain Cheshire. How you doing, Chesh? Uh, hello, Samuel. Uh, for everyone out there, I am uh, Albert Keynes. I am the content and media director of the Australian Trading Card Association, and I'm extremely happy to be here on this podcast with you. I love your podcast. I've been listening to it from episode one, surprisingly, uh, and I'm, I'm just really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, th- thanks for being here. But uh, I don't know. You've been here. You've been here the whole time. But um, I won't. I won't let you know that. Um, yeah, God you really damn think- it! Nobody <laughs> needs to know that. <laughs> you did throw me off guard in that one. Um, no, that's thanks for being here, Chesh. And uh, you know, that's uh, I'm not. I'm not used to having such a buttoned up uh, demeanor and and you know such such professionalism from me. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I thought we would just turn up and we say what we want and and stuff happens. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about, and and, and kind of the very nature of, uh, of of why we're kind of a little bit delayed this week. Uh, I think you've been busy. Mm-hmm. I've been busy. Things are happening. <laughs> I've been busy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, I've been busy. You've been busy, and uh, yeah, as 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 you just alluded to, you've got uh, you got a little bit on your plate. So um, yeah, what's the deal, dude? Uh, so I've been appointed as, as you heard in the intro, as the uh, the, the basically, I guess, the creative media guy. Um, uh, the director of media and content uh, for the Australian Trading Card Association, uh, which is basically us uh, from the AT- ACTA ACTA. Huh? That's a pretty good acronym. ATCA. ATCA. That's it. ATCA. Um, so us from ATCA have partnered with Oz Comic Con, um, and we'll be actually be on the show floor doing uh, a rather large space uh, an area, I don't know how large to be honest, but I've been told it's large. Uh, <laughs> a nondescript space. Be doing yeah. The largest, a nondescript space, apparently the largest uh, card convention in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I say apparently because that's based on the foot traffic we will get from Oz Comic Con, I believe, uh, but, to but, be transparent. <laughs> but they may be apples and oranges, but. At the same time, we we are in a trading card boom and and all that stuff. And uh, did you even see? Oh, how was uh, Cherry were on the news? A bit of Australian kind of uh, Cherry were on the news. Yeah, yeah, a little Australian side here. That was that was pretty amazing. So um, yeah, I'm, that I'm, was I'm, pretty. That just shows how big things are right now. Like yeah, you know, your Kobe Bryant rookies, your Michael Jordan rookies, you know, your Giannis uh, rookies are just all through the roof. Yeah. You can't get them at a fair price. People are being priced out of the market that you know we've been warning them for the last year to buy them that there'd be a secondary boom that everyone went no it'll just be a bubble and it'll be popping and i was like Mm. there's so many jordan rookies in circulation but if you don't pick them up now you won't be able to get them at a good price because people are going to start holding them yeah 
especially with all the extra media attention. And lo and behold, even though there's, you know, a good, I think, couple of thousand graded Jordan rookies out there, people are just picking them up and holding them now because they're like, well, I don't want to hang a piece of art on my wall. I want to get a Jordan rookie that I can sit on my shelf and look at because yeah. I don't give a shit about the Mona Lisa, but I absolutely give a shit about my childhood hero, you know, and it's something that we've been talking about for years and this impacts every trading card except for Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah, somehow, somehow they they kind of good job, avoid, wizards. Yeah, exactly. Somehow they avoid all all that weird, uh, you know, conventions that other trading cards do. But um, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, I, however, I can absolutely tell you exactly why and how. Go. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at Pokemon for a second. Yes. Pokemon is highly collectible because of the characters. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Magic kind of is as well. Ish. Ish. Um, but Pokemon has you know like Charizard, right? Yeah. Whereas, I, what I does Magic of... have? Planeswalkers? Creepy Jace. I don't know. But the product is easier to get, right? Mm. It's it's Magic product is so much easier to get, which is why uh, Innistrad boxes are running about $1,000, original Innistrad. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything from the last year or two, you're still getting it like 200 bucks, right? Yeah, sub yeah. 200 because there's so much of that product out there. With Pokemon, however... Like, if you go back a couple of years to, say, XY Evolutions, those boxes are, like, almost $1,000 now. Yeah. Last year, they were, like, 500 bucks. You know, because you cannot get them. There's no stock out there. The stock that people do have, they're just, like, trading hands and people are sitting on it because it's iconic, because it has Charizard in it. Magic has none of that stuff. Magic doesn't have an ultra-rare. They have mythic, mythic rares, but no one gives a shit about them, right? Yeah. They don't matter. In the grand scheme of things, it's like, what is the most significant, quote-unquote, ultra mythic that you can think of from the last 48 months? Yeah, like a reprint of Jason Mindskull, or maybe, like, I don't even know. Like, it's, it's, it's no, nothing. You're, you know right? the Not answer even. to this because you complained about it. What's that? You've already complained about this, so you already know the answer to this. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jewel Lotus, exactly. Okay. It's it's okay. It's not Jewel Lotus because you've got to remember, right? Jewel Sorry, Lotus. I, I forgot about all those other formats for a hot second. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? Like you're only thinking about Commander, but in the grand scheme of things, Oko is the only mythic rare that, that actually matters across all formats at this point. It oh, is the no, no, only got, mythic rare that matters. Uh, what about Uro? As far as competitiveness... Oh, I like, meant Uro, not Oko. Oh, Uro. gotcha, gotcha. I was going to say Oko yeah. got the... Uh, no, just... Oko got the hammer and everything. Stupid three-letter yeah. names convenient they're both they're both simic they're both nuisances yeah exactly they're both like okay in commander like perfectly fine but it's the other formats they kind of devastated a little bit so um yeah well and and it doesn't matter to commander like commander doesn't run the price yeah exactly so commander commander runs the price on some of the older cards a little bit Mm. but none of it none of it matters right like you can't get a Charizard in Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Like a, a card that is constantly being reprinted under the same name with different abilities that is worth a shitload of money that people want. Yeah. Again, I, maybe I put Jace there, but it's kind of not the same, like, uh, And people, people like, you can still buy, like, um, Jace, not the Mind Sculptor, but what was the other one? Jace, the Architect of Thought for, like, five bucks. <laughs> I was going to say, right? <laughs> super sexy castaway Jace with no shirt on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a foil of that. Thank you very much. Oh, cool. Foil and it is worth nothing. Exactly. Anyway. But this is my point. Like, 
a Charizard in any set of Pokemon is worth bank. Yeah. Magic doesn't have anything anywhere similar to that. If they did limited edition numbered special cards like I keep talking about, yeah, then we would be seeing that same growth with Magic. It will never happen, even if Wizards do it. It still won't happen the same. And I, and I get it too, so, because yeah. it's like Magic was the game first and then everything else, maybe, like, Pokemon became a TV thing and basketballs, of course, like you 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 have pieces of, of memorabilia based on uh, someone who is actually affecting the value in real time with their, their, their play, that kind of thing. They're all different beasts. I think that's what's really equally fascinating about it. And um, it's funny we started off this episode. Uh, I, I would have thought we were in a uh, an episode of Chesh Breaks for a hot Talking second about there. Hashtag MTG Finance. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's we do a lot of this each week. Uh, not that you know that many of our listeners on Commander Crunch will you know uh, necessarily know about, but we talk about basketball cards and other cards on Chesh Breaks, and um, and it's that's what I had to like you know check myself for a second. I'm like, wow, this just feels like a Chesh break, uh, a Chesh Breaks episode. So Chesh Breaks, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of, my Larry Johnson came in just to let you know. Nice, nice, exactly. So yeah. I've been trying to get a few guests anyway uh, lined up that we can get a bit of basketball chat going on um, as well. And <laughs> y- you won't be disappointed, Chesh, because uh, th- there is a bit of a Venn diagram uh, between magic and basketball at times. And we do have uh, good friends in the community. Uh, we've been spending some time with, you know, on the spell tables and all that and, and chatting to that are quite uh, quite lofty uh basketball fans as well so have have quite a bit of knowledge so um should should be a couple of things uh to talk about in the, the coming weeks i think so um but yeah speaking of talking about them we just want to go straight into the main subject now that we've done our rant on why magic the gathering isn't a good investment option more or less i mean we won't get into a reserve list and all that because that's that's been having a fun time that's the last couple of weeks different. by the way yeah. what's up with skeleton ship <laughs> my, ba- um, my baby uh, apparently it's it's good to have one in your collection so. yeah i was gonna buy like two or three base uh guff had two or three in the cart uh for two dollars uh a couple of weeks ago and i was gonna pull the pin and i didn't because i'm like i've got one skeleton ship i might just play one more in another Should've deck and now they went to 18 dollars. what am i doing anyway you know how yeah. much i love skeleton ship so um dumb things anyway it is a reserve list card i don't know why maybe the art it's silly anyway but no you, you you're Totally right. Uh, as if you didn't tell, um, uh, couldn't tell loyal listeners, and 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 thank you. Also, side note: we've had a uh, we've had a really good January for Commander Crunch. We've had a lot of new listeners, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, welcome aboard if it's one of your first times kind of joining us at the breakfast table. You can see we run a little bit fast and loose, and just you know, see whatever happens. But it's it's you know it's the way we like to roll, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, of course. I mean, we'll put our our. Uh, Usually put all our creds at the end and our uh, contact details, but um, definitely new listeners. If you want to ever shout out and, and kind of oh sorry, get in touch and, and you know uh, throw questions at us and, and we're happy to read them out that kind of thing and just get in touch. Let's play some commander that kind of thing. Always just uh, you know find us on Twitter at cmdr underscore crunch uh, or just email us at uh, cmdr crunch podcast at gmail dot com. So we'll, we'll reel those off at the end as well, that kind of thing. But I thought it'd just be worth noting because um, yeah, incredibly thankful for uh, for how January has been. Uh, I was going to say views, but you know we don't do video we do audio uh listens i guess of the podcast have been really really positive so um yeah we we better actually talk about some commander though because that's what we do mm-hmm. around here allegedly so we're apparently a uh, commander podcast but like i was saying we're not joined by a guest this week 
Uh, scheduling, all that stuff is, you know, that's that's part of the fun of what we do. Uh, no guests this week. Uh, we're both absolutely flat out on the weekend, but we're like, it's a it's a weeknight on a Tuesday now, and and we're both pretty excited to talk about something else. But guests will be returning, I think, next week onwards, that kind of thing. But we'll always bridge them with a, a couple of episodes here and there about other things. But um, as, as Chesh alluded to, it's time to uh, jump into a good topic here. So I think that's the best way we'll treat these ones in between if it's just me and you, Chesh, just throwing things around, having a beer. Um, you suggested this week uh, something to talk about on the show, and I, I think it's um, it's a, as good a time as any to, to bring it up. But um, pretty much it all came from when... Uh, I think it was our guest last week, actually, Scrap Trawlers had a tweet about how do you show kindness in Commander, and I, I think yeah, the uh, the illustrious Sheldon Menery, uh, he he uh, he responded to the tweet with, I don't play cards that completely take the game away from the other players, especially ones yep. that can do it before they ever get started. And that got Chesh and myself talking about a big old uh, kind of topic in Commander about I think the way I boiled it down was playing considerately, and I think you boiled down a different way. But you want to start us off, Chesh, and, uh, and 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 kind of take us where you're going with that yeah, one, sure. and, and your thoughts you want to chime on. Um, so basically, this just comes back to not being a shit player. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I don't mean like, uh, I guess I do mean like don't flip the table, but <laughs> I don't mean well, that, in goes that regard, saying, regard exactly. to this. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when you lock a player out of the game, they have to sit there for 30 minutes to an hour staring at you, wanting to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you can hear the anger in my voice because that's me. Yeah. Um, because when you lock me out of the game, and not not you, Sam, but I mean the audience, um, <laughs> and, and I'm sure somebody listening to this knows exactly who they are, um, Caitlin, <laughs> when, you, when you lock me out of a game, it makes me angry. It makes me not want to play. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be like a really close friend, Caitlin. Um, well, I was going to say, I feel like Caitlin's known you long else. enough, but um, yeah, still. Yeah, it's Caitlin's like, known me for long enough. Yeah. At least know, Caitlin had the self-awareness to go like, yeah, I don't think I'll play this deck again. No, no at all. So, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, she did well. But, and and I, give, I do give Caitlin a lot of shit about like um, those kinds of decks. You know, like they're just too powerful for the table. Yeah. Um, and, and it's for that reason as well, because if you are locking somebody out of the game um you should not be really playing cards that lock people out of the game should i be playing cards that even the field well yeah absolutely should i be playing uh mass land destruction fuck no please mm. don't well mass land destruction do you mind if i just chime in on everyone that one, back and uh, oh yeah totally totally yeah. I, I'll, I'll chime in very quickly to say i heard it put a very probably a good way today and it, it's like that's the fun part of all this i'll preface everything that a lot of it's subjective. We're trying to find a uh, something that's fairly universal, but um, you know, I'm not. No, I mean, I'm just tell you not to do it. Well, things <laughs> things that go back to like have a conversation, basically. But the best way I heard it put is that stacks does exist. It's 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 more of a feature than a bug in the game, but it's usually a uh, kind of the best way to to think of it is yeah, it's a counter for something like aggressive combo, and and in the right situation in the right environment that's where it might be best suited i.e now i hate to put everything in i'll just play it in cdh that's what it's for but it's it's generally geared towards that level if you're going to play hard stacks it's to 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 stop people from doing very powerful things whereas if you're bringing stacks to a 
what has been established as a more of a social casual table, and, and I always want to preface this is on the shifting scale, not an absolute casual versus competitive. And mm-hmm. I've got some guests in the past we've, we've talked to that kind of really do a great job explaining that and then some in the future I want to keep talking to to kind and, of and you, define those a bit more. But, yeah, it, it's, it's just... You've had experience playing against my soft stack stack. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to say it's it's the whole the way I've kind of thought about it in my head is it's 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 kind of yeah there's a social contract there's also like a social etiquette too it's like it's bringing the you know you've heard the you've heard the joke bringing a knife to a gunfight uh sorry the gun to a knife fight basically um it's it's the it's the mismatching what you're doing and and you could even say is is social inadequacy type thing it's like you're you're bringing something there does it you want to do this thing does it feel great doing it against you know, mismatched opponents. So what it comes down here's, to. Here's my thing with stacks, right? Yeah. So if you take the archetype of stacks, yes, and you take out the shitty thing that makes everyone sad, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes tax because you've taken out the essence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So tax is fine. Stacks, however, you're leaning a bit, a bit hard on on the table. And and stacks being so, that if you if you're finding ways to completely lock out players, as Sheldon said in that tweet before, that's uh I don't know. I, I, I kind of I think, yeah, sometimes in a response to something, if someone's absolutely gunning ahead, but that's not the point. Like, I don't know. It's if that is your primary game plan, you may be I think there's another way people put it. Like you may be actually it's it's worth looking at. Are you going to gain any equity uh, socially from playing those decks in those environments? And are people going to want to play against you again? Type things. So, I'm just going to put it down to the same thing I put it down to every time when I cover these topics, which is how do you, the player, want to be seen by your friends, yeah, your table, and your LGS? Yes, because if you play a full on stacks deck. I guarantee you, unless you're playing it in an actual tournament environment, your friends and your playgroup, they don't want to play against you. Yeah. Okay? They'll smile and they'll bear it. But I guarantee you, the next time that they go and choose their three other players to play with, you're pretty far down on their list. Yeah, totally. Because you've made that entire situation unbearable. You've locked players probably multiple out of the game. The way that you've said this to yourself is, but I'm just playing Magic. This is what my deck does. Except the caveat there is, yeah, this is what your deck does. This isn't necessarily what is fun for the table. Yeah. And if you're enjoying that style of deck, you probably want to consider taking that to CEDH and rebuilding it softer for your table because taxing people is fine, but staxing and locking, that's where we get into the problem. And that's why I haven't played a stasis deck in Commander on command of the distancing yet yeah totally totally so yeah. I, I think a, a good way to kind of um that that leads into a little way like i uh, like i was saying i think I, I view things like this very i try and look at them as granularly as possible there's there's multiple steps of course that someone it's the hard part too because there's going to be people that go oh no it's not i don't feel it's a stacks deck and it's like you you need a look at the way you're playing and and, and your tendencies look at and the, the definition of stacks yeah it's it just if that's are you just think about what you're doing to what your goals are kind of thing and I, I i i've mentioned it a few times if you can try and sum up uh you know your deck what it's doing in a mission statement maybe you'll you'll you know shed a little bit of light on that not just for yourself but for the table too but and that all goes back into and i'll, I'll say it many times but 
Rule Zero is a part of Commander. Rule Zero is a whole other thing we could spend many, many time, uh, episodes talking about in, in different ways, where, how it allows, you know, commanders that aren't commanders, a lot of things. It's just it's basically a way of kind of just gelling uh, the table's expectations and, and opening our conversation, essentially. But what I want to start with was um, or kind of round things or put put things at a uh, a bit of a fulcrum is uh, there's an excellent preface um, you know that really sets the scene found in I was, I was looking at a uh, Star City Games article by Sheldon Mannery and as I'm pretty sure is that part of the Commander ph- uh, philosophy document maybe doesn't even really matter basically it's a good quote but regarding Commander at all power levels is is an interesting way to put it too and the social contract the quote is. Commander is played in a variety of ways, depending on a player on player preference. But a common vision ties together the global community to help them enjoy a different kind of magic. That vision is predicated on a social contract, an agreement which goes beyond these rules to include a degree of interactivity between players. Players should aim to interact both during the game and before it begins, discuss, discussing with other players what they expect and want from the game. So it's it's kind of that whole thing. It's I always see it as an opportunity, you know, it sounds sappy, but make new friends, but mm. just establish a tone, uh, feel ever like feel out the table kind of thing, how everyone's feeling. But it's, it's hard because there's a lot of advice that flows around how to rule zero, how to talk to people, whatever, like how to establish your power level. And, and I think it's, it can get very, very vague essentially, but, um, you know, and, and I'm, I think, uh, I might get you to chime in, of course, Chesh, because I mean, well, for instance, how do you, how do you set your your power level, and and what are what are some of the first conversations you have with a table? Uh, so I generally speaking, if it's a table I don't know, um, the first thing I'll do is I'll have a look at everyone's commanders, right? So yeah, yeah. I generally try and build my decks with a little bit of a backdoor, so I can change power level if I need to. Yeah. Um, so it, it's funny because I've had some comments in some of my articles previously on pure MTGO, um, which have been, you know, why does your deck seem to have like, you know, 95% powerful cards and then 5% like jank? And it's like, well, no, it's kind of not like that. I build my decks so I have um, gears that I can switch between. Yeah, true. Right? So like you've heard me say it before about um, tutors, right? Tutors aren't, yeah. technically speaking, aren't there to go and fish my combo out. My tutors are there to help me deal with certain situations within the game, so I have an answer if I need it at my fingertips now and again. But they're an excellent gear, happen, like you but, say. You, know, you play enough tutors. Yeah, they... exactly. Because learning learning how to play your tutors effectively, rather than going like, I'm a combo deck and I win on turn five, mm. instead playing tutors so I have an out to a certain situation should I need it so that I can keep using my commander or whatever, is probably the biggest part of my philosophy. Yeah. The secondary part, of course, is that switching gears. Um, the discussion that I usually have with the table, if it's a different table than I'm not used to, is depending on what commander I'm running first. So if I'm running Xur the Enchanter, I will let the table know, <laughs> hey, don't be fooled by my commander. This is actually a cycling deck. Yeah, I love that deck. This is not an enchantment's lock you down deck. Yeah. Like, not a stack stack. Looking at you, Brandon. Um, no, I'm people kidding. then usually <laughs> laugh and then get their ass kicked by cycling, and they go, what the what the fuck just happened? It's like, yeah. well, the deck itself, like, doesn't need the commander to run. It's a cycling deck. Xur helps get some of the cooler enchantments onto the board, 
like um, Teferi's Mill card. It doesn't matter what. Tutelage. <laughs> ah, of course. I was like, wait, it, I've, I've, I've erased yes. that card from my memory from like, playing M20, M21 yeah. Far out. To get cards like Tutelage on the board, um, it has ways to go and fish out the, the flux. Um, so that I like the color side effects so that I can cycle for free. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very powerful deck. However, it's also not a very powerful deck. And you, because you've seen this one in action, you mm. know how this one runs, you know, and, and you've seen it go from like chugging and everyone just ignoring it. Cause like, yeah, it's Zer, but like, he's not doing anything to like, all right, cool. We're at turn eight. Um, I have enough land now. I think I'm going to win next turn. And everyone just looks at you as you cast, you know, uh, second, not second sunrise, approach the second sun. Yeah. yeah. And everyone just looks You're at favorite. you and goes, oh no, as you proceed to untap for your turn, look at everyone and go, guess you shouldn't have let me have stuff that I could play as flash, huh? Yeah. And I'll that, just replay it. And and that's fair. Um, that's fair. But like, and, and this is the thing, right? So I build my decks so I can change gears. So I have my tutors. Um, so I have all wing cons if I need them. And the discussion with the table is usually, here's my commander. Here's what I think my power level is. It's around about this, mm. which people laugh at when I go, I don't know, this deck is like maybe a six yep. because it's a cycling deck. And everyone just goes, but you're playing as a, why aren't you playing stacks? Be- because the command doesn't like, matter oh, and it's it's important. It's, uh, I think that's a level up in, in, I mean, not a level up because that's that just implies that it's just objectively the, the path of progression. But I mean, it personally, it is like it's a, a point of liberation where I'm like, I, I can play a, I can play a really amazing commander that's got a, reputation but doing it a different way and it's meeting people like lenny uh who was on a couple of weeks ago and and you know his 25 cent gumball urza deck I, I keep talking about same kind of deal it's like that's not that urza let me show you uh yeah, but there's exactly. a lot of people go why wouldn't you and i even i fell into this trap a few years ago i'm like oh but i i want to play this four color combo why wouldn't i just play Breya? i'm like no you can play whatever you want you can play it because it has cool art you can play it because it does a different thing that's the important part. Don't ever feel like Commander is this arms race that you have to play the objectively best thing because it's not yeah, ne- that's exactly. not necessarily the most it's- interesting. But you touched on power yes. level there, which is really important, I think, um, as far as part of that that conversation because it will come up. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I am kind of putting a lot of this down to that conversation you have before the game is so important to set so many tones and and, and expectations like the quote said exactly. And, and that's... Not only commander, this is a, this is just a you know an analog to life. Manage expectations as best you possibly can. Communicate like, I know this is the game. I don't want to tell people what to do, but I know this is a game where a lot of us do have a level of social inadequacy. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think as Jim from the Spike Feed has said on, might have even been Shivam's podcast, but he. He, he just put it in such a great way. It's like, if you're ever like not feeling that comfortable, remember that these are the people that you can talk to about so many more things. Uh, you know, if we're sharing a commander table, we can talk about so many things based on commander and magic being such an amazing concept in our lives. And, and it's such an amazing crutch and, 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 you know, support kind of uh, topic, I guess. We're all playing a game commander that amazingly other things can come out of it. So if you... Try and try and find a way to be comfortable in a game of Commander, and and just just you know find comfort in the fact that uh, you know uh, jerks kind of non-withstanding because they they can exist. Thankfully, I haven't really found any for quite a long time 
You know, these, yeah, these, these are supportive people. Like, you know, this is our thing we're all part of. And and, and don't be afraid to, to kind of speak and, and, you know, people will generally support you in, in a really great way. So that's a, that's kind of my preface on the conversation. But what will often happen, you sit down at, and, and maybe it is, you know, a, a byproduct of some Discord servers, mechanisms, mechanisms to play Commander Online, that kind of thing. But a lot of things do come down to that number putting a power level number on, which I found so deeply subjective. And like I've talked to a lot of people about it and I just try and like, I still don't know how to fully put my decks into a power level number because I feel like I often get it wrong. And it's and yeah. to the point where I'm like, I, I think there's got to be a better way. It's a guideline, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I could say, I don't know if my Lathiel or Skeleton Ship decks are a five or an eight. You know, I honestly don't know. Maybe a six, and that's probably just an easy way. Like a like you say about the Zer one, maybe that's kind of just where your instinct lies. But maybe your six is someone else's nine, or you know, someone else's nine is someone else's uh, lasagna tier. Shout out to Commander Sphere for that hilarious <laughs> tier list. <laughs> um, lasagna so tier things, being the best one I've ever heard. It's, it's fantastic. One but, of the things that I do want to just quickly touch on when it comes, yeah, to, yeah go for it. Um. Academy Rector. Yeah. Um, and getting, uh, what is the white enchantment called? The one that makes you humble. <laughs> makes all of your creatures zero ones. Oh, the, the curse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, the one That's... from uh, Hour of Devastation. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I've lost the name of it. I know it looks like it's yeah, got a big one. pair of balls you, you know on it. Makes all your stuff one ones yeah. I can't activate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you think that that's acceptable in Commander, you need to reassess why you're playing commander because that is technically locking somebody out of the game you are not just removing them as a threat you're actually removing that player from the game unless they can find an answer to that enchantment yeah um, yeah i yeah. want to bring this up because i specifically laughed before about brandon from mtg lexicon oh. i actually think it was dale to be honest the, but one of them played that deck well he plays the, tell you right now he plays Zer the curse chanter so possibly brandon and yeah. that's that's why the joke um, is everyone killed brandon first but um you know yeah yeah, exactly. Before Brennan can lock you yeah, yeah. out of the game, essentially, um, which doesn't—he doesn't mean to do it, and he doesn't do it all the time, and he knows the appropriate oh, no. timing to do it, and and you know, it's mostly done for comedic value yeah. very early in a game if you can to like basically lock out the game and like everyone restart. And I like, think that's cool, that's that's know. a nice outlier to it because MTG Lexicon, as we're talking about, is a bit of a it, it is a. I want to say product is very organic and natural, but it's like he's kind of taken the role as a bit of a villain and, um, you know, that he's, you know, probably five years ago he once, like, turned around on a uh, a promise and now Chess just says he <laughs> betrays everyone. But, you know, that's it's the whole thing that he, I swear, more often than not he's getting hated out of a game because of, like, something he's done a while ago and it's, it's funny and everyone cheers it on and whatever, but it's, of course, this is this is lexicon everyone knows each other and it's also a public facing thing as well so yeah anyway um but yeah it's it's there's that it's 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 a kind of we are talking about their kind of uh specific cards of course which can actually be a way to establish that as well sometimes um i'm always looking for interesting unique ways to win of course but that's my taste i know it's not everyone's taste and another way you you spoke of tutors before and we're talking about specific cards uh interestingly here's another way to kind of tackle it and this is i think what you'll get to here is i don't i don't think i have the advice or the 
the the unanimously great perfect way to kind of establish power level because it's always going to be approximate but i think it's just mm-hmm. interesting to kind of touch on different methods and, and like things you can discuss that kind of thing but importantly just to get a discussion going but um on magic mics the other day uh erin campbell had a great way to look at it and she mentioned you could almost very roughly and and she she eloquently put this the fact that this is just a broad average in a way but you can usually get a bit of a correlation from numbers of tutors in your deck Mm -hmm. and power level in a way but Mm. with the preface there Mm. that like you said chesh depend it's it's you know it depends depends how you use them exactly and it's like it's 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 kind of a way i've looked at it's like it's it's the the cards are one thing but it's how you use them your intent with them and and some cards don't actually allow don't have the capacity to allow for you know flexible intent but i think tutors totally do so i want to bring up the fact that if i'm then and just just to shit on this for a for a second sorry Aaron. Oh, go, um, <laughs> go for it. it's probably the worst terminology but you know what i'm about to say right um if i'm playing six uh four mana or more tutors oh. my deck isn't no, 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 but the, the, that's, like, that's that's actually part of it because your four mana tutors are not inherently broken or, or powerful because they are they've already got their own handicap and they're going to take time. Three mana so. tutors. Um, uh, uh, what's the black one from Invasion called? Jeez, it slips in my mind. I tell people to play it all the time. Uh, it is uh, one black and two colors go searching for anything unless your opponent pays two mana. To stop you. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think it's two mana. Yeah, I forget what right? it's called. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's one of those um, reverse taxing effects. Yeah. That came out in Invasion. Um, yeah. Uh, consultation or something. Demonic consult. No, not demonic consultation. No, ah, it's it's in a box under there. I don't actually remember for the life <laughs> of me right now. Um, but it's it's a shit tutor. Don't get me wrong. But I play it, and do you want to know why I play it? Because People don't expect you to pay uh, three mana for a tutor when everyone's tapped out to go and get something. It's yeah. it's situational for sure because you're either trying to get somebody to spend their last mana to, you know, get the blue out of their pool perhaps, um, which I've done on an occasion, you know, before I've gone off on something which is hilarious, um, or you're just playing it because you know it's a bad tutor and you know everyone at the table is going to look at it and go, what is that? Oh, I've yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. this card before. And it's like, no, of course you haven't. But I have, which I have been playing long enough to know about, like all these weird cards, yeah. and some of them are actually kind of good in situations. Totally, and I, I um, think that just goes to show the multifaceted nature of it, and the the four dimensional, five dimensional kind of aspect of it, and and even so, I probably shouldn't have even said just quantity because I, I I know that's not um, what what Aaron was strictly talking about because it's also about like which ones, so it's a quality factor there right. as well so it, it, again Cause, cause it goes to show that, com- that conversation is really tricky it, it, of course but you kind of if you can approximate like i'm running diabolic and you know uh or oh, sorry demonic and, and, and vampiric it's basically if if you know you're gearing towards every high-powered tutor you can possibly get you start to get a yeah. bit of a uh a, a, an idea of what kind of deck I you're just looking so at. the listeners know um we we are looking to have erin on the podcast at some point we are working it out with her so that we can get her on Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's Absolutely. Something, something I've been, you know, I basically I keep missing Commander Games with her. So Yeah, yeah. Um we will get her on hopefully at some point in the next month or so. Um because I I'm, I'm really keen to talk to her. Um, yeah, definitely. Because I mean not only does she carry a lot of weight obviously in, you know, MVG circles, mm. um which is kind of cool, but I have not 
gotten to play Commander with Eren, and Eren never used to play Commander. Mm. Eren used to be like a hardcore uh, modern and legacy player. Yeah, yeah. So shifting into Commander for Eren is extremely interesting to me because I know that Eren loves powerful decks. Yes. But Eren was even talking about it at one point, like, as much as I love powerful decks, I feel like playing Commander, I need to be playing something more casual and tone it down a bit so I have more fun. And then Eren got addicted to Commander because Eren's just like, why haven't I played this? This is incredibly fun. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it is. Commander's incredibly fun. Like, even if you're a Highlander player, which is more more divergent with this than you might realize. Oh, totally. And you've never played Commander. If you play uh, Canadian or seven-point Australian Highlander, try Commander. Yeah. Because it's not as uh, hardcore as a 1v1, you know, a 1v1 Highlander format, but it's still Highlander and you still have a lot of fun being able to, like, do cool things yeah. in, like, turn 10. Instead of, like, trying to beat somebody by, like, turn three. And I think there's, <laughs> there's an elegant ebb and flow there, too, because it, it does tie into another factor we uh, we kind of talked about before and, and absolutely must tie into all this talk that there is there's a tendency for people to go, okay, so if you want to be considerate of the table, do you want me to just, you know, never do anything to piss anyone off and just play group hug? I'm like, no, that's not the point. It's more that there's a there's – a, I know it's 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 tricky that I'm I'm not giving – really solid tangible uh you know guidelines because it's not the point but it's there is again it's as you know it, it is as broad as like a social expectation but like winning is part of commander too like that's the point mm. there is there's there's a time and a, a space for you know um kind of navigating a, a a battlefield there's also there's politics uh which are the the bit that trademark i think we can put on commander that doesn't really exist anywhere else and in, in an amazing way it's got that board game aspect to it it's it's navigating those in a considerate way ultimately everyone's still after the win but again lenny put it so well the win is secondary but it is there mm-hmm. Uh, and then someone else, oh, who was it? I've been listening to uh, a little bit of a, a newer podcast called The Social Contract, um, and they've been they've been really good. Uh, I think one of them writes for EDH Rec as well, and they had they just had Dana Roach on, had a really great great chat to him. Um, but they they do some great discussions on, like we say, the social aspect to Commander, and, and kind of boiling it down uh, a little bit of what we kind of do when we talk to guests and stuff. But I know we're a lot more you know casual and and, and less focused on a lot of things, but um, kind of looking at those dynamics of course uh and they put it down to actually maybe they didn't say it i don't know i'm getting all jumbled anyway but someone basically put it like the the game of a commander uh, the commander game may go for an hour may go for two hours whatever uh the win may take five minutes that's like that's a waiting shift there that's worth considering yes you want to be the crescendo you want it to be the ultimate like the way it all plays out um but the experience is the heart of it. The 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 real it's the journey, you know, essentially. And and like I say, some of our guests have put it really, really amazingly. Like Davey put it in a way, it's like the best games of Commander uh you remember playing, the most memorable. Did you win? Did it matter? No, probably not. You probably don't remember who won. That wasn't the point. It might have been a big play. It might have been the way it shifted back and forth. But the way I keep thinking about it is ideally the game of like the ideal game of command i think we all want to play um and again i can't speak for whether exactly all these these details and features are true in say cdh but i think it's worth always 
you know, kind of relating CDH and Commander a bit closer than they kind of get credit for. You know, they do blend into another. It's more the expectations change. I think we all need to get a little bit better at, you know, just, just being a, a bit more open about communicating how they kind of sit together rather than making a divide, essentially, because, you know, priorities shift, essentially. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what, what I'm saying anyway, but you look at, like, the, 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 the best kind of commander game you could play in generally what we would probably call more casual, more social, but still, you know, playing at a, a level it's not, you know, underpowered or boring i guess is probably the way to put it but um you know ultimately there is a game to win uh we want to look at a a game that has drama a game that has like power shifts in a way a game that was ultimately felt like a fair fight everyone had their chance in the game at one point and like you say that that someone that is locking someone out you know potentially without uh without reason to kind of stands counter to that essentially so but it's 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 yeah it's it's ultimately a balance like the conversation is as well and like you know uh functioning in a social setting is as well and then like i say i i find it hard to uh you know say all that and go well here's something to action but more just just be aware that it's all you know it is a lot more of a of a balance type thing and it's you know it's 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 more perceiving it and, and trying to to best like do your best at, at, at contributing and, and being uh, considerate as, as best you can uh, rather than going play this way, don't play this way kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't know where you lead off that. Sorry, I just kind of rambled on a bit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just let you go. No, totally, totally. But um, yeah, I don't know. what what Could you boil down your kind of your, your favorite kind of commander situation, you know, like that you're ideally looking for? Um, I just want to have fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Cheshire's Chesh, just want to have fun. Uh, just wants to have fun. Yeah, at the end of the day, if if I can see that the table has had fun and I can end the game, I'll end the game. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. If I can see there's one particular person who's just like, you're making me sad because everyone's picking on me, then that's not that's not good for anyone. Yeah. But if you're the most powerful person on the table and we're picking on you, it's because you're the most powerful person at the table and we want to take you out. That was kind it's, of a point I wanted to make before, personal. that like having, uh, there is a, you know, again, it runs in a scale that like my, maybe, maybe my way out in a deck to kind of uh, really deal with the the dominant player is to to cast that curse, which again I haven't searched it up just yet. <laughs> like you know, putting that curse on that player who's nope. so wildly ahead. But like, is that warranted? And, and I say that's that's not warranted, right? Because find a better way to deal with that person than locking them out of the game. Yeah, there's a big difference between that person is playing and winning, and now that person can't play at all. Yeah. To I found an actual way to deal with whatever it is that's oppressing the table. Yeah. So that that person is less of a threat, and now everyone has been brought up a notch. Yeah. Right. Because you're not bringing everyone up a notch by not locking that person out of the table. You're just locking them out of the table, and that's not fun for that person. That person now again has to sit out for thirty minutes and look at you, and see that you. Yeah. And go. You know what? I'm. I'm going to go home, and. And I'm gonna drink a big bottle of whiskey, and it's all your fault. Like and that's, oh, we shouldn't put anyone in a position where they feel terrible playing commander because of a decision that we've made 
to actively lock that person out of there. Uh, another thing to think of is if it was mass land destruction focused on one player somehow, right? Oh, yeah. If there That'd was a awful. card that says target player has to sacrifice all their land, it's awful, right? Yeah. But you're the most powerful person at the table. Why are you complaining? Yeah. Well, because now I can't play the game. Like, you could have just maybe killed my creatures or whatever it is that makes me the most threatening player, mm. reduce my threat level rather than remove me completely from the game and and force me to sit here, right? So killing that person, well, that's fine. But again, reducing their threat level is what you should be doing, right? Because once you reduce that person's threat level, then somebody else at the table is an equal or greater threat, right? Yeah. So then you can like shift a little bit of that focus or, you know, you stop that person like from doing whatever the oppressive, horrible thing is that they're about to do. It doesn't even have to be oppressive and horrible. Maybe they've just got like 30 tokens on the floor because of their uh, doubling, uh, doubling cheese. Stupid jump doubling cheese. Because of their Annoyed cheese procession. Doubling season. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Doubling cheese Um, procession. So because of their doubling cheese. Uh, they put like 30 <laughs> one one nap tokens out with a haste flying blue red yeah. insects you know that that now all have i don't know in fact and they can kill anyone at any time and then you so, wrath their board you cyclonic rift them you're not well that's one of those ones where overwhelming splendor actually just goes well yes or they don't have in fact anymore so we're still probably going to die to them but it's like it's a uh, you know his his a thing. So I don't know. Overwhelming Splendor is the card, though. I I I don't. I'm I'm hesitant to put a blanket do not play on um, because maybe it is the top end of a. I don't know. No, it's it's hard because it is so no, one player focus. I know what you mean. Don't worry. It's it's that's that's what I mean. Yeah, because like, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but mean, even if it wasn't one player, even if it was like badly, all of though. your opponents, that's still really oppressive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's um, yeah, and, that, and like it's just, again, these cards have to exist, and they they are there, but it's like vibey where it's like if you want to play that uh i don't know again i've I've heard it being said it's like try and be the player that you want someone to be like oh i want to invite that person back to play and that doesn't that doesn't mean playing group hug no way it means it's also i think it comes down to an attitude fundamentally i'll also say group hug can be just as oppressive Hell yeah. as a locked deck. I've, I've, and I've this played is one against of the things miserable. that I tell people yeah. is it's if like, you come to my table and you bring group hug, what's it doing? Then I'm probably going to tell you to fuck right. <laughs> I mean, again, I won't go as blanket as that. I don't want to like, sit around for three hours doing nothing yes. while you quote unquote help the table, which is actually just your way of locking up the game so that you can either dictate who wins or win yourself. Yeah, so that's not fun. So I have heard. But I, I made you draw all these cards and you can put all these cool permanents on the table and they do nothing. Yeah, because they do nothing. Because my deck does nothing. Yeah, yeah. You're not letting me do, like, cool stuff. You're actually preventing me doing cool stuff by doing stuff yourself. So, so, it's, so it's not cool for me. I think that one you give, you should probably give people the benefit of the doubt before making that one, though. Like, give them one game because it's like, what is it doing? Because I group hug importantly does have many facets to it like uh one of my it, favorite it does, group hug methods group is to, hug. to to make it seem like group hug and then just flip the switch with a tainted remedy or something and go no i i was i was doing things the whole time and and setting them up or whatever like that's that's kind of wacky and it's kind of cool but it's yeah but can anyone at the table do anything else pardon 
can anyone at the table do anything? Yeah, they can use a disenchant. Because like, a lot of... Exactly. Cause, well, no, but I mean, a lot of the group hug decks uh, are actually just people just controlling the game. Oh, yeah, no, no, totally, totally. And but, like, you know what I mean? Like, that is, that's one facet of it. Uh, I don't know. It, it, again, it's a consideration. Like, um, are you... Do you want to... Yeah, I do, do le- not playing the deck. Do you legitimately want to just pump everyone up? Um, and if you do that well enough, then one of those people are going to win, aren't they? Like... Yeah, ideally. Well, look, but... I've got a good friend um, who runs uh, limited time on Facebook. Yep. Um, who we've played with, um, who's been on the show and plays exclusively group hug, group hugs to enable kinging. Yeah, I've heard um, that too. So actually, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's a kinging group group hug deck. I fucking hate it, <laughs> and I hate it because because for three hours you do nothing until he decides that somebody wants to win. So. Um, what I'm getting here, though, is a constant is time, and I think that's another part of an important part of consideration. If it is things that drag the game out to be the three hours, yes, that's going to drive people a little bit crazy. And actually, the one of the best ways I kind of heard it put was MTG Lexicon just put their uh, their their new you know their updated guidelines for how they want people to kind of bring a deck to play on stream that kind of thing um and which i you know i think you'll agree with a little bit too like they kind of align a little bit with the way we see i haven't read it oh no that's okay but it's that's basically the same as what you know you know like the infinite combo oh, thing and, and all that stuff did they update it for for poison oh no no not really no it's still those same same rules but <laughs> it was it was the point where i think g3 said it and it was really well put that like he goes, we've just noticed if a game's going on for, if it stalls out or starts to go a little bit longer, that's when views drop. And again, they're not yeah. doing it, they're, they're doing it for themselves, of course, because that's why it's very natural and it's very, you know, uh, it's crafted and, and it's it's honest and, you know, it's just them being good people because they're, they're, you know, we love them. Of course we do. They're not uh, promoting Raid Shadow Legends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like... They just said, like, you know, it is something we're aware of and this is ultimately true a uh, a product we want to make you know most enjoyable for uh you know the the viewers that kind of thing so it's kind of finding the best ways to cultivate that so board stalls are very they're just the type of thing people just switch off about and time is consideration there like if you get if you can have everything work with all those dramas and crescendos and stuff as we said in in you know uh depending on how fast people play i guess but you know if it's all feeling you know jazzy whatever for about 40 45 minutes to an hour it's like that might be just the sweet spot but as you said everyone's played a three-hour commander game where people are falling asleep and you know answers do need to happen uh pretend like you know at that point ideally to win the game but yeah it's it's that whole thing if if you're playing to then use time on your hand to lag things out like maybe that's the one that just just be aware that people might not enjoy playing that deck again. And you may not even enjoy playing it kind of thing. So um, they're just factors of uh, thought to, to, to keep in mind when you're looking at like the, the the constitution of your deck and, and, you know, it was like, how's this feeling? That kind of thing. How does it feel when I play it out? Uh, Does, do people get involved? You know, that kind of thing. And it even goes back to, we've talked before, like good cards that just like enable a conversation. And and that's that's a great way, you know, to to kind of make sure that is nice and lively for sure. So um, hmm. yeah, lots of things, lots lots of things to boil down there, my dude. So um, yeah, um, I was going to say. So the other the other point I had there was was that whole uh, having a little mission statement at the start of you know the game. Like we said, rule zero is a thing, of course, but we're not going to go too far into that. But 
another way to kind of just go, well, you know, this is this is how to establish that expectation and that that power level, everything like that. Um, I like to do, like I said, a mission statement and, and kind of when you start to put this together in your head and you start to explain it, a lot of those kind of little hints of power kind of come out anyway. Um, and so I put like a little like quick one together anyway, for example, and then please silence me if I'm I'm speaking out of turn because I probably am because it's I'm, I'm explaining your deck. But for example, you might be like, oh, so, okay, I, I, I'm just looking to play. Someone's going, oh, what power level are we playing? I'm like, oh, I'm looking to play Lisa. <laughs> I'm looking to tax the table a little, uh, make things inconvenient, but not stop anyone completely. And I'm using just only a few pieces of fast mana, just a couple of rocks, and then looking to play at a medium-ish pace, I guess. Uh, and then yeah. you could say my pieces are in- interruptible and I haven't focused heavily on protection of my pieces and I, but I just aim to drain the whole table to all together if, if things go well. Sort of. Sort um, of, yeah. I mean, I this might not be your deck, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I generally, I don't talk about protection pieces. Yeah. I don't think that that is something that needs to be brought up to the table, that's, whether you've got protection pieces That's true. Or it's not. probably not relevant. I um, kind of just threw that there. Telling yeah. them the pace of the game that the deck likes rather than like, oh, it makes the game slow, which my deck obviously doesn't. It taxes everyone. Yeah. Um, it does slow, I guess it does slow down the game a little bit, but not as much as like a stacks deck or something would. Yeah. Um, it's, it's mostly just like the tax thing. So if you've got a fast deck, it will reduce the speed of your deck. If you've got a slow deck, then that's fine. Like your deck is just going to flutter around, around at the same point. It's just going to cost you one or two mana. And a couple of life if you play stuff. Yeah, I, I was going to um, say and, and in in the Lisa sense, it's probably um, I'd much prefer it. the life one than the the mana one for for time consideration there too. But of course, yeah. it's yeah, you, you'll kind of you know salt to taste, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's why like, and you've played against the deck, so you know that it's more about the life than it is the mana. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that people need to consider when they're playing these decks is all right. So if if I'm going to be changing the game state. How am I changing that game state? Yeah. If I'm slowing it down because you can only cast one spell a turn, well, that's mostly acceptable. Um, if I'm changing the mana cost of things, that is mm, a bit on the ifish side, but generally speaking, acceptable. Yeah. If I'm making you pay life when you're playing something, that's absolutely acceptable. I like that one because we've um, got such massive life I'm totals. But making yeah. things prohibitive so that you're like having to pay four or more mana when you play stuff, that is absolutely unacceptable because you're now expecting that somebody's like cool eight mana spell is now a 14 mana spell (laughs) or, you know, 12 mana or whatever. That's too much. Mm. Like even making it a 10 mana spell is very much on that side of like, oh, I don't know if you should be doing that. Um, Locking out attacks to you have to pay to attack me is not a big problem, yeah, right? No, exactly. Everyone has mana. It means that you aren't going to... You need to choose between advancing your board state or attacking me directly. You'll probably attack me with something in pay and then attack somebody else, which is the idea of that particular enchantment, uh, attack somebody else with everything else, yeah. you know? So you're still getting your damage towards me, but you're getting, like, the smaller things are now coming at this other person. So you're, you're particularly the threat and I'm just preventing you from killing me with all of your stuff. So I'm still taxing you, but 
it's not an oppressive tax. It's yeah. a manageable tax. And, I, I and that's what we're talking about there's, here. There's is an interesting point being there. manageable in the game. Yeah, it's manageable because there's a choice in a way. And, and I think that's a that's a nice little yeah. factor to um, things. Like I was just thinking when you said that, it's kind of the similar thing as an, like an Angelic Arbiter, which is a seven mana, five, six angel. It's massive. It's like takes a lot to cast it, of yeah. course. But just says each each opponent who's cast a spell this turn can't attack. Uh, and each opponent yeah. who attacked, attacked uh, can't cast spells. So you just choose one or the other. Like it's yeah, and it's like oh, yep. actually, mm, this this and, makes and again, makes I've, interesting conversation too. In, yeah, I played one in the Lisa deck. Yeah, and it's I cool, it cool for card. that reason because I always say that if you have interesting choices, yes, that makes the game interesting to play. Yeah. Now, sure, somebody is going to be like kill that angel, and you know what? That's fine. fine. That's what you it should be a do. lightning rod. See yeah. it out. Get rid of it. Like, yeah. It is a problem for the table, but it's not oppressing the table. It just means that you're having to make a decision. Do I attack this turn or do I play some key pieces this turn? You're probably going to opt to play the key pieces and then next turn you get to attack me with all your stuff. Yeah, here, here. I, I like that a lot, actually. It's um, choices being a uh, an important part of the anatomy and, and also part of choices is conversation and you get there's an opportunity for reaction there too so um yeah no no i, I definitely love where that's at kind of thing so um cool. yeah uh do we want to move to the entertaining yeah i was going to say well i, I kind of just want to finish off with another quote i kind of found from um and hopefully this book ends it pretty well and and it's kind of just been a good old conversation uh again it's hard to kind of you know maybe you can get some devise some guidelines of what uh you know chesh and i believe is fun commander the, sub- the subjectivity is really important to always like preface with this stuff. So you're going to talk to someone else. They're going to have their uh, their opinion of what is overly oppressive and annoying. And, and I always put it down to like, you know, you've played my Rexial deck. Some people hate getting milled. That's not the... Mill's fine. Yeah, I, I know, happens. and you say that, but some people freaking hate it. And like they just, in a way that I honestly feel is like a little bit irrational, but like some people it just triggers them. And, and that's that's always worth noting that... I think it's always the idea that be as approximate as you possibly can with this stuff. Sometimes you're just going to, you know, some people will be rubbed the wrong way. But at the same time, if they're going to be a real jerk about it, it's like the whole point is be able to have a conversation. And at the end, it's like, oh, I didn't feel great about how that game played out. Like we are humans. We can have a you know, conversation about it without yelling at each other. But Mill, I honestly feel is the type of one that's like, I'm just I'm just doing, you know, what Rexia wants to do, which is harvest a couple of cool things out of the graveyards. It's fine. I've even heard the same about, oh, playing my cards from, you know, graveyard or Thardis things, whatever. Um, and, and I think maybe it's just an annoyance, but everyone everyone plays the game differently. There are some universal themes to always keep in mind. But um, anyway, I just, wanted to, I just want to mention that fact that you will, mm-hmm. you may come across some people that, even hate something that's really intrinsic to the game. Oh damn! I hate Simic decks. How dare you play a Simic deck? Well, <laughs> how dare you play card draw? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Deck. So mm. anyway, that's it's you can't. I mean, I've learned that you can't please everyone, but um, you know, you can do your best and try and be as considerate as possible. Is what I'm going to say. But yeah. the the bookend I wanted to kind of lean on was was another great pullout from um the um, I believe it's in reference to the Commander Philosophy document. I thought that was the bookend. No, no, no. That, that was my bookend, and then I'm going to give another actual quote by people that actually matter in the Commander community and um you know actually have weight in what they say and and lean on them to do my talking as i usually do 
<laughs> so there's a great quote, and I believe is was, was from Sheldon again, um, and just said, Commander is designed to be a malleable format. We encourage groups to use the rules and the ban list as a baseline to optimize their own experience. This is not a license for any for an individual, and I highly, highlighted this point, this is not a license for an, an individual to force their vision onto a playgroup, but encouragement for players to discuss their goals and how the rules might be adjusted to suit those goals. So that was kind yeah. of in reference to the rules here exactly and, and, and kind of rounds it all out essentially. Just just have a conversation and enjoy that conversation and that's what Command is about. We're, we're going to be social, we're going to talk, we're going to be humans. So um, be considerate people. But you're dead right, Shesh. Uh, it's time for entertaining. Um, <laughs> it's time to – that's enough magic uh, content for this week because I think we've blown over our quota again and uh, actually talked quite a bit <laughs> about magic. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. So, uh, what uh, what non magic media has your taste or attention this week, Chesh, my boy? Uh, so, Wonder Vision is still slower than my dead grandma. She's been dead for thirty years. Hi. So, all right. Again, sub- subjectivity. Years, it may be like for you, but maybe not. And I think, as as always, I like to hear Chesh's opinions well, on things because I do as, respect your opinion. As somebody who used to write this kind of stuff, yes, um, not specifically superior genre, but fantasy genre stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I, I guess the first question is, have you watched it, Sam? No, I haven't watched it. I didn't, I didn't write that in okay, so I'm not <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to tell anyone, you, but yeah, no, but I have not watched it. I've just seen trailers. Yeah. Fine. So, we don't know anyone's motivations. We're on number four. Okay. Maybe like episode four now. That's a fair way so into it. We're a fair way in. We don't know anyone's motivations. Um, a, a group... And I'm going to try and be as loose as possible so nobody understands all this spoil. Uh, <laughs> a nondescript amount of people. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a, a specific group from <laughs> Marvel Media has turned up in the show that um, are investigating the circumstances around what is happening, um, but we don't know what their motivations are either. Like, they just turned up and they're investigating. We don't fucking know why they're there. Like, <laughs> all we know is that they're looking into like this weird thing that's happened, but we don't know why. Like, what? You're just investigating it for what purpose? Like, are you just trying to understand this weird thing that's going on, which is what it seems like? Are you? It makes no sense. We've got no one's motivations. We don't know what's happening. Uh, it's so hard do you, to do you think they're, don't know what... they're trying to lean so far into that like intrigue and mystery uh of Way to the point of like nothing's like nothing's got context and you're like oh i wonder what it could be and, and some some people love that and it's a, again everyone's built a little bit differently some people find anxiety in that actually remember when we talked to mr bevers he's like i can't watch thrillers uh-huh. because the way they preface everything it's just like gives me extreme anxiety i'm like yeah i feel that <laughs> totally yeah. i i absolutely feel that but and that's what's happening some here, people love that, it um, yeah and i i think maybe there's it, been a trend has, towards that's what makes effective tv and well just like well we're, we're not going to say a thing you. and you're going to figure it out and it's like ah I would agree with you if we had at least a motivation from somebody. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're doing murder mystery or anything like that, anything with give me a taste intrigue, of something. Yeah. Give me a reason to be fucking intrigued. Yeah. Don't just be like, look at this weird thing. Look, look yeah. at and then, the great, and then, you're a clown. Yeah. And like, why do I care exactly? And and the yeah, the link what, I was gonna make draw, me care. The link I was gonna draw is um if you watched Better Call Saul, I mean I could say have you watched no. Breaking Bad, but Better Skipped Call Saul's it. the one I'd actually point Skipped to. both. It's not interesting. Oh, okay, fair enough. And and again, maybe it's it's that kind of thing. But I, I think Better Call Saul did it expertly where 
Uh, well, Breaking Bad does it too, but they they often drop a very very abstract kind of reference, which is usually strictly visually uh, at the start of an episode or season, whatever, and they might might draw on it and go in full circle. Yeah, later but on. from day dot, there was the underlying preface of that that entire series that um, main character from and, and I'll just go by Breaking Bad because I know the plot basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, main character is uh, has cancer. And becomes a drug dealer. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like we know that motivation. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and and, and like I say, these, you know? the, but the 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 little uh, the kind of the cinematography nuggets that I'm talking about kind of don't really dwell on that too much, or like uh, they they seem they're kind of just a nice little aside to it all, and they may actually uh, kind of link to the story. I'm being as vague as I possibly can, but um, they <laughs> they're just nice little vignettes. Uh, and they're kind of almost a flex of like cinematography muscle, I often feel, because they do have narrative point later on, but sometimes they're just a really mm-hmm. artistically shot kind of scene that it started, like I say, at the start of an episode, the start of a, a season, you're like, what the hell does a teddy bear in the pool mean? And a bag of money. Yeah, and like, it's, and it's just like this really cool that- and really cool, like soundtrack's amazing, of course, like just really amazingly framed scenes. Like, what could that mean? That they're done in a way it's that it's that completely uh, avoidable. Like you don't you don't have to pay attention, but they're really cool and rewarding. It, if you it's do. funny that you bring up really good soundtracks. Yeah, because this will segue straight into Tron Legacy. Hell yeah, we got that. Uh, so I I rewatched it again. Yeah, um, and it's still good. It's still great. Uh, yeah, yeah. As, as you pointed out, amazing soundtrack. Yes, um, I I don't even like that kind of electronic dance music. Um, I've been around it a lot, being in the goth scene, yeah, um, and I'm not I'm not a fan. But when it comes to the Tron soundtrack, I think that that is probably the best soundtrack to a movie that we've seen in a, a yeah. long time. Because of the way it just um, like gels just, with the movie too, it's like it's it's the, and it's the scene. It's everything. That people hate the movie so much. Do they really? For no good reason that it's why? Yeah. So when it came out in the cinemas, it didn't do bank. Disney were like, "Well, shit, we fucked this up." Dang. It's like, "Well, no, you didn't." It didn't. It came out at the right time. Um, it should have had the audience, and it didn't. And then Disney went, well, I guess we're not going to do the, the third movie. And it's like, no, you really should do the third movie. Yeah, because yeah. it was just a weird timing. Like, everything should have worked fine. The The toys all sold really well. But the critics just hated it. Ooh. And it's like... Were we even watching the same movie? Yeah, like, yeah. the whole thing about the grid and the way everything was designed and the suits. And, and like I was going to say about the music, the, the nostalgia factor to it too. Yeah, exactly. It had a really good nostalgia kick, so, like, people who loved Tron were like, I'm in for this. Yeah, but and it wasn't spoiling like, the original, you know? I don't, yeah, I don't get this, I don't like this. And it's like, yeah. why? Are you dumb? Like, <laughs> what? what is going on? But, yeah. I mean, you're right, like... Not everything is for everyone, and I can I can respect and that. Sometimes it's popular to not like something. Yeah, that's the bit I always kind of um, get a bit yeah, riled so, up about. It's like, do you is it just fashionable yeah. to like hate on something, or can we just like it? Like, you know, I, uh, I'm allowed much. to just like it if I want to. But, like, yeah. yeah. Um. So I rewatched it, and and I still think like it it has its problems. Oh, uh, no, it does, exactly. I still think it's really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I still want to see the third, but uh, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up because, you know, I I rewatched that movie probably once every maybe five ish years, um, yeah, 
pretty much. Like it, like it. Um, yeah, like so. So music wise, uh, I I remember I picked up the soundtrack when we first got our um, our little Mazda back in 2012. Maybe that was just a bit after the movie came out. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that's the Daft Punk soundtrack, and the the coolest part they walk into the Tron. Uh, I guess Digital Land Club and Daft Punk are actually playing in the world, which is like such a good Easter egg. I love it. <laughs> they got the little helmets on and everything. So, uh, yeah, a good one. My one for this week was something that only came to me this morning, actually, and, and strap yourselves in because it's a bit of a wild ride and, and bear with me if, you know, you're not, you don't follow along because there's, there's multiple things at play here. And I'll try to keep them as succinct as possible. But um, uh, at the same time, I'm not trying to be pretentious or like highbrow or whatever because you know <laughs> I'm a uh, I'm a potato-minded moron like the best of them. Um, I just like really nice things sometimes and and trying to be interest as interested as possible. But my choice is uh, an album called Songs from Before by Max Richter, and Max Richter is a German composer. Uh, who does contemporary classical music, if that makes sense. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, no, I'm not into com- uh, classical music. I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably haven't heard this though. Um, and he did some of like the Black Mirror soundtrack, uh, a bunch of other movie soundtracks as well, um, but has done some amazing albums over the years. So there's there's a few things at play here. So this album um, has been very effective, um, like really, really life-affirming stuff basically uh, in the way that sometimes – what can sound like a bit of a harrowing sadness can be an amazing perspective piece. And yeah, just that's, that's kind of, you know, what I get from a lot of, you know, really somber classical music sometimes, but this one in particular has a few influences that converge at one time in a way I was like, Whoa, holy crap. Uh, This one has, as does a couple of Max Richter's albums uh, has some spoken word on it just to kind of set scenes and, and amazingly like just kind of, uh, frame some of the classical pieces. Um, if, again, I'm not. I'm an, a huge absorber of music. I'm not a musician, so I'm. I'm very. You know, I'm very rusty in any kind of musical terms, whatever. But Robert Wyatt is uh, reading passages from Haruki Murakami books on this one. So there's a few things to unpack here. Robert Wyatt is a musician I've got into a lot lately. He's an amazing voice, but more importantly, an amazing story. So he's from. Uh, the Canterbury scene prog band Soft Machine and a few other things. But his whole story is um, like he's done work with Brian Eno and David Gilmore from um, uh, Pink Floyd. Uh, people who know Robert Wyatt and like his music, they're just like, oh, my God, he's just like one of the greatest musicians. His story is incredible. He um, he was a drummer for Soft Machine and, and a vocalist a little bit, but um, he then uh, became paraplegic. He had an accident and uh, he couldn't drum anymore. And his his whole body of work is so worth exploring because it's so emotional and it's so so raw and real, and his voice is being quite um, is quite famous and well known now for you know some of the amazing he's got cult followings kind of thing. But he's an incredible figure. I won't say more than that. Just just check out Robert Wyatt, of course. Um, even some Soft Machine as well, really good. But uh, yeah, like an artist in the truest form, and then. Murakami is an author of books I absolutely adore and I don't need to say much about I think a lot of people know Murakami the Japanese author uh, the the books may not speak to everyone but they really speak to me and and I find as very abstract concepts I find them very easy to read if that if that's a way to kind of put it you know Makes sense. Yeah, yeah totally and and so again all this doesn't have to make sense to anyone just really lovely to listen to uh, if you need something to to kind of as I said, you know, just a bit of a reminder of what's life affirming. Just 
turn out the lights and listen to songs from before by Max Richter and, um, you know, kind of just tap into that emotion a little bit and, and you know, things things kind of take on a little bit of new meaning. So, um, yeah, kind of a real holy trinity of influences because I love Murakami, love Robert Wyatt, and I love Max Richter and I only found out today that that album exists and all three are kind of linked into one ball of amazing uh, musical stuff. So, <laughs> awesome. Good good time to end it. So, um, I don't know. Um, anything else? No, I think that's that's pretty much it, Chesh. I think we're going to go our separate ways. I'm going to go cook some tacos and, um, you know, it's just nice to have a good chat about cool commander philosophies this week with you, Chesh, because I don't, exactly. don't always get the chance to do it. We're too busy with guests half the time and to, to just, you know, boil things down together. So, um, no, nice one, man. Love it. Yeah, man. It's been good. Good, good. So, um, ooh, ooh, hang all on, kinds hang of, on. yeah. Hang on. So, you can find us at commandercrunch.fireside.fm, on Twitter at <laughs> cmdr underscore crunch, or on Instagram at cmdr crunch. Look at you who found the notes. <laughs> good job. You can also send us pictures of kittens to <laughs> commandercrunchpodcast at gmail.com. Exactly. Get your kittens to hold magic cards or, like, not falsely, but just put them in front. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to, I've been trying to get a good photo for, um, uh, of of Stevie, our, our lovely little cat, mm. with some magic cards, maybe like uh, Cauldron Familiar. Not that I want to cook Stevie because yes. that's that's freaking brutal. Like goddamn, the, the the very nature of Oven Cat just makes me cringe because it's my beautiful black black cat Stevie. <laughs> anyway, because our lovely sponsors uh, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar are doing competition. Uh, Pat was doing one. He's like, I don't know what else to do. Can everyone just send in a picture of their pets? <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you rock. Uh, it was the best. And um, so I've got to get a photo before I think the February the 8th is when it closes so, yeah. of, of Steve, Stevie holding some cauldron familiars, I'm pretty sure. So, um, <laughs> yes, that's 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 a weird link. Anyway, but, yes, please send us pictures of uh, of your pets if you really want to. But most importantly, like I said at the start, just just get in touch. We're people. We want to hear from you. Um, we'll read out questions and, and whatever if you want us to. No stress. Um, we're easily bought. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, oh, Chesh, where can we find you personally on the uh, on the socials? Uh, so you can find me at Chesh Play. On Twitter? Do you put a question mark at the end? Yeah, you know what? What is my handle on Twitter? Question mark. Here I here I did this entire sign out. I was like, look at me. Yeah. I got it. I've got notes. I don't have yours. I don't on even here. need to write it down. <laughs> I'm awesome. And then I'm like, I <laughs> need a handrail. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at Cheshire Plays on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Cheshire Plays Games or Cheshire Breaks. You can find me on Twitter at Cheshire Breaks, on Instagram under Cheshire Plays Games, or on Instagram under Cheshire Breaks or the Australian Trading Card Association, yes. where I'm like the head honcho big dog, and we're going to be trying to do some magic stuff uh, over the next uh, four events that we do with Oz Comic Con. Yep. That are coming up. So yeah, if you keep taking big, on big times afoot. Oh, totally. Um, if you keep taking on more roles, we're gonna have to pre-record all this, and you can have your own. Like, oh, just just listen to our, you know, uh, notes on the side or whatever, because Chesh has too many things to list. You can find him at the Wrestling is- Academy at the the Wrestling Guy. Nope. <laughs> this, nope. This is the last big role that I'm taking on at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll, and, I'll believe and- when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just hoping that this will uh, pay off to be an actual job. Oh, exactly. And that's all the dream, right? And like Outside of me doing like the whole break slash starting a store thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. And I've been really happy to see you kind of journey in a way too that, um, you know, you've always 
pushed a lot of things, but like surround yourself with things that you love doing and, you know, uh, without too much pressure put on them. Um, that's kind of the point. Still enjoy doing everything mm-hmm. you're doing and um, you never know what could come of it. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But um, Exactly. Exactly. You can find me at Pass the Jam Sam on uh, Twitter and on Instagram pretty easily. But um, yeah, pretty much it. So love it. Any advice to awesome. uh, to our listeners before we jet off to the uh, to the, the realm of, of the ether? Sure. Yeah. Don't support Marilyn Manson. Don't buy his records. He's a piece of shit. Leave it alone. Oh, yeah. I missed all that, but I saw your comment today on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, I'll just say, just to completely preface, oh, you, you know, uh, relate to what we talked about today, just be as considerate as you possibly can, you know? Like, you, you won't always get 100% right, but uh, intent goes a long way kind of thing. And and this goes beyond commander, as things often do. They they this <laughs> this is This is life stuff. We're all just... Commander is just the uh, the funny uh, learning exercise that actually teaches us about other things. So, yeah, love it. Well, then I'm going to say, party on, dudes! Party on! <laughs> exactly. Take care, friends. Bye. Bye. Meow.